Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Here we go. Turn to Matthew 4. I'm going to read something and then uh, I want to preach a uh, quick message for you for you this morning. Matthew 4, verse 1. It's going to come up on the screen. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, then command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands he shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. This story is so significant because this is the first temptation of the Son of God. This is, we see in this story, the first attack that Satan tries to use against the Son of God. We've got to understand how significant this moment is. Jesus is God in flesh. He's come down. He's come to walk on the earth. He's come to sacrifice Himself. He's come to redeem mankind. And how many know that the enemy does not want this to happen? So what we see here is Satan's first and I believe most powerful attack on mankind. And I want to show you, not only is there just one attack, but here we see three times Satan comes to Jesus to try and tempt Jesus. So what I want to just preach real simple this morning are just three things that the devil hates. Three things that the devil hates. In this story, real quickly, the first thing that we have to understand and we, we see this it's, it's all wrapped up in the first few things that the devil says to Jesus. Jesus is out cruising the de- desert and the devil comes up and he says, if you, if you are the son of God, he starts with this question that almost has this doubt surrounding it, questioning who he is. The first thing that the devil hates, you have to understand is the devil hates who you are. He hates that. I believe the devil actually hates that more than anything else. Why does he hate who you are? Because if he recognises who you are, then he has to recognise the way you became the way you are. And that was through the cross, which was his greatest defeat. He hates who you are. It says in this verse that, that, that the devil came and he began this question. He said, if you are the son of God, questioning who he was, questioning, trying to cause this doubt 
to come in his mind and come into thinking for him to question who he is. I'm amazed at how many people, not just in the world, but people in church that still don't know who they are in Jesus Christ. People so often trying to find their identity in so many different things other than Jesus. It's almost like we have this identity crisis or spiritual identity theft that is going on in the Kingdom of God. Where people are walking around trying to find who they are, trying to find their identity in, in perhaps the car they drive or the clothes they wear or the person they're walking with or, the, or, or where they work or what their occupation is or who they're connected to or who they know or what seat they have in church or how close their parking space is to the front door of the church or trying to find our identity in so many different things. And I actually believe it's an attack of the enemy. The enemy does not want us to get a revelation of who we are. Because you've got to understand, he knows who you are. But do you know who you are? The enemy is trying to attack our understanding of who we are. Do you know that the enemy cannot attack who you are in Christ Jesus? The only thing that the enemy can attack is your understanding of who you are. So much is unlocked in the Kingdom of God through our right biblical understanding. Do you you know that even salvation is unlocked in someone's life through their understanding? We often refer to people that are lost as saying, well, they need to get saved. You ever said that before? They just need to get saved. No, they don't have to get saved. They've already been saved. Jesus has already done it. They just need to understand that the price has been paid. See, salvation is unlocked in their understanding. So you don't need to, it's not like your identity has to change. Your identity is already set in Jesus Christ. You've just got to get a new understanding of who you are. Because you get it, if you get a new understanding of who you are, then you'll know who you're called to be, how you're called to walk and where you're called to stand. But you've got to change your understanding of who you are. He came and He said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. He's, he's tempting Him. To try and he basically says, if you're the son of God, why don't you show me? Why don't you command the stones to become bread? That's what I love about Jesus. Jesus' response, he says, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge. He doesn't even acknowledge what the enemy's asking him to do. God, Jesus is so secure in who he is that He doesn't even enter into the conversation. It's not, He's so secure, it's not even worth Him trying to prove it to the enemy. Like if it was me, the enemy came to me and said, command these stones to become bread. Bro, I'll be making like bakeries in the desert. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't be just doing like a bread roll. I'll be doing like sticky buns. I'll be doing loaves. I'll be doing, do you know what I mean? I'll be going, yeah, watch this then. Damn, there's a bakery. There's no more. Bam. You know what I mean? Like I'll be like, 
I'll be prancing around the desert. Do you know what I mean? Just doing the moon. Watch this. You want another one? Here we go. That's how good I am. I'll be, that's because we're insecure. The de- Jesus has got nothing to prove the devil. What He does is He's so secure in who He is. He bypasses the attack of the enemy. See, some of you enter into a conversation with the devil because you're unsure of who you are and the power that you have. Don't even entertain the thought. Don't even entertain the thinking. See, it's a strategy of the enemy. He always comes to instigate a conversation. That's how the enemy works. We know that's how he worked with Eve in the Bible. How did he approach Eve? It's the same way he approached Jesus. He approaches the first Adam the same way he approached the second Adam. He came to Eve and what did he say? Did God really say? See, it's a question. The Bible says that he's a, it was a serpent. It says a serpent was more crafty, more cunning. He comes, he's not going to come with this all out straight attack in your mind necessarily. It'll just be, let's just throw out the question. Let's, I'm just getting the conversation going. Did God really say you must not eat? I mean, you know, like, are you, if you're the son of God, listen, come on, why don't you just make some bread out here? Like, it's hungry. Let's get this happening. Like, let's. That's how the enemy operates. And what happens is we get lured into this conversation with the enemy so easily and so quickly. Recognise the attack of the enemy. He's coming after you and coming after your identity. Who you are is one of the things that I believe the enemy enemy hates the most. He hates who you are in Christ. It actually says in Romans 8.14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God or daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You've got to understand who you are as a son or daughter of God. Interesting, it says that your spirit bears witness with it. See, this is not just something that you're going to catch in your head. This has got to be a revelation that you get. If you just catch it in your head, it'll last as long as you get to your car and then you'll forget about it. But when you catch it, when your spirit bears witness with that spirit, it's the spirit in you that'll grab a hold of a spirit of adoption that cements it in your heart so you know that you are a son and you are a daughter. No matter where you go, you are adopted by God into His family. You've got to know who you are. So many people don't know who they are. If you don't know who you are, you open the door to the enemy in your life. The other thing that it says here in, there's another thing that we have to understand about who we are in 1 Corinthians 5.20. 1 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors, ambassadors of Christ. Says that we do you know what ambassador means is it, the, the easiest way to explain it, but even doesn't sort of touch it. It's almost like we are a representation of Jesus Christ here on earth. Now we think we think about that. We think, well, as an ambassador, that means I'm here to, you know, love people and show Jesus. You know, be nice and. That's how I'm going to be an ambassador. Do you understand? An ambassador is so much more powerful. When you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ, you have to understand who you are and what you carry. 
When we, we were traveling recently and we were in Europe. Now I have an American green card and, and it took me about 400 billion years to get it, but I got it. And, and, and finally I got it and then I lost it. And I know, and at a, at a, at a waffle house in Atlanta. So there's some cat walking around Atlanta pretending to be me. And so anyway, we were traveling and so we traveled, we were in Europe. And, and we're in Europe and I needed to, to go to the American embassy in France to, to meet with them to get a piece of paper that was going to allow me to travel back to the US. Now, when I'm walking to the embassy, I'm on French soil because I'm in France. Funny that. And, but when I get to the embassy, the American embassy, there's a sign that says, As you walk in there, it says you are now on American soil. It's because even though I'm in France and the American embassy is American soil, it's planted in France, but France doesn't own it. America owns it. That is their embassy. Now you have to understand when you are an ambassador, everything changes. It goes to another level. See, the American embassy is America's property. So when you go on America's property, even though you're in France, you abide by America's rules. When you are an ambassador for a country, it cha- everything goes to another level. When the American ambassador goes into France, an American ambassador would have something that's called diplomatic immunity, which means that the French government cannot touch him, even though he's in France, they cannot touch him because he's no longer, he's not under French law. He is an ambassador, which means he's under US law, which means you cannot touch me, even though I'm here in your country, you cannot touch me. Maybe that's what God meant when He said, we're called to be in the world but not of the world. See, you thought that just meant you couldn't do certain things, but it means that you've actually got more authority than the rest of the world has, even though you're in the world. See, understand, and it changes because when there's an embassy, that soil is theirs. When there's an ambassador, everywhere he goes becomes his soil. He cannot be touched because He is, maybe that's what God meant when God said to Joshua, everywhere that you set your foot, I will give it to you. When you understand that you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ, you walk very differently because you know that every single step you take, that's your soil for then right now. You are an ambassador and the enemy cannot touch you. Some of you allow the enemy into your life because you don't have a revelation of who you are as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You may be in the world, but you've got to remind the devil, I may be here, but I'm not of this world. So that fear you're trying to put on me, that cannot touch me because I'm not of this world. That, what, that, that insecurity, that cannot touch me. That depression cannot touch me because I am an ambassador of Christ. We've got to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. This is why, this gives you an idea of why the enemy hates this so much. I believe it's one of the, probably the first thing the enemy hates the most. 
is who we are in Christ Jesus. What we carry. Moving forward, the other thing that we've got to understand about the enemy and what he hates. First thing is he hates who we are, but he also hates where we are. The Bible says, and I'll explain it to you, it says 2 Corinthians, therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We've got to understand where we are, not just who we are, but where we are. The Bible says that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It speaks of your position, your connection to God. See, that's what the devil came. That was the second thing that the devil attacked Jesus in. The first thing is he comes and questions who you are, what power do you have? The second thing he says, take, takes him up to a high, space, high place and he says, throw yourself down. And look at what he says, won't God, won't God send angels? As if to say, if you're so connected with God, isn't he gonna, won't he look after you? Almost like to test or to challenge his position in the kingdom of God, surely you're the son of God. If you jump, if you're seated where you say you're seated, isn't God gonna come and protect you? Why can't you do this? See what he's trying to challenge is he doesn't just try and challenge who he is. He tries to challenge where he is in the kingdom. See what the enemy, and understand how linked these two are. If you don't understand who you are, you won't understand where you belong. And if you don't understand where you belong, you won't understand who you are because you won't stand somewhere if you don't have a revelation that you are someone who deserves to be there. Does that make sense? When you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, you know the place where you belong and you're not intimidated to go and stand there because you know the price that was paid to make room for you to be able to stand there in the first place. When you understand who you are, you understand where you belong. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if he's in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? That is such a powerful, you could do a sermon on just those two words right there. It's in Christ we have our salvation. It's in Christ we get our freedom. It's in Christ we get the power to do miracles. It's in Christ we're made available to receive the Holy Spirit. It says He is a new creation. Look at this. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We've heard this before. If anyone be in Christ, is a new creation. Old things passed away. All things become new. I was looking at this verse yesterday and I saw it totally different because I've looked at this verse before and I've thought old things passed away. All things become new which means my past is passed away and God makes my past new. You know, the broken things or the issues, He makes it new. But that's not what it says. It says it's broken down. And I want to sort of do a little thing here. But it says all things, oh, sorry, old things are passed away. So we've dealt with our past. He doesn't make our past new. He just gets rid of it. Do you know what I'm saying? As far as the East is from the West, He's dealt with our past. 
So then what he's left, he's dealt with our past. That's, that's, that's done, passed away, gone, old things, gone. Now what he's talking about, he says, then all things now become new. When he says all things become new, he's not talking about your past because he's already dealt with that. He's talking about what you're living in right now. When you are in Christ Jesus, you will see everything around you totally different. You'll see it filtered through the eyes of Jesus. It's not dealing with your past, it's dealing with your present. Your present will become new. The situation you're in right now, you will view differently when you understand that you are in Christ Jesus. The challenges that you face, you view differently when you understand you are in Christ Jesus. The relationships, the friendships you have, you view them differently when you are in Christ Jesus. That's why it's so important the Bible says that we, that He is in the light, that we need to be in the light. Have you heard that before? It says in 1 John 5.10, this is a message which we have heard from Him, declares the Lord that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. Uh, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, look at this, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from our sin. Satan doesn't just hate who you are. He hates where you are. He hates the fact that you're in Christ. He hates the fact that you're in the light. He wants you in the darkness. That verse is so funny because it says, if you're in the light, you will have fellowship with one another. And I looked at that and I thought, how are those two connected? When you're in the light, so many times the reason why people are not in connection, in fellowship is all we see is each other's issues. We see someone else's issues or we see someone through a worldly light and we keep them at a distance. Or we only just see our own issues. And we also keep people at a distance because we don't want people to see the real us. So we have trouble making friends. We have trouble connecting with people. Some of you have trouble meeting a spouse because you keep everyone at a distance. But when you are in the light, you view yourself, you view everyone around you in the light of Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't see our issues. He doesn't see our problems. He sees who we really are. See, it's wrapped up in the thing we were talking about the other week about honouring people. Whatever you honour, you elevate. When you honour the good in someone, you elevate the good. When you honour the bad in someone or focus on the bad, you elevate the bad. And so if we would elevate the good in people, we honour people and we release kingdom. The devil hates where we are in the light. That's why Galatians 5.16, it says, I say then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfil the lust." Of the flesh. See, that's what we need to be is we need to be people that walk in the light. When you're in the light, you're not self-centered, you're not selfish. How do we how do we fully do this this campaign that we're doing heart for Orange County? How do we reach out? We reach out when we're in the light. When you're in the light, you see people differently. You 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 see people and you want to reach out. Because that's the heart of God. 
When you're in the light, it shines what God wants you to see. It, it magnifies the good in people. That's why we have to constantly remind ourselves that we need to be in the light. And the third and the last thing that, G, that, that the devil hates is what we have. He hates who we are. He hates where we are. And he hates what we have. Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore go. Jesus says, I have all authority. And because now you're in me, I want you to go in that authority. How much authority do we have? All authority. Devil doesn't just hate who you are, doesn't just hate where you are, but he hates what you have. Because this was why he got kicked out of heaven in the first place. Because he wanted it all. See, all authority is given to us because this is what authority, the authority was given to Adam and Eve. And the Bible says, if you go and look at it, it says you have, they were given all authority. It says over the beast, beast of, of the field, over the birds of the air. And it says over every creeping thing that crawls on the ground. They had authority over the snake that came to speak to them. Some of you are entering into a conversation with the devil that you have authority over. And the moment you enter into a conversation, you elevate them, you come up. You've got to, you've got to take, recognise who you are and take the authority back and walk in the authority that you have. See, Adam and Eve, when they gave in to the temptations of the devil, they handed authority over. The first Adam handed authority over because he did not know who he was. But then the second Adam in Jesus Christ, because he knew who he was, he grabbed the authority and he took the authority back when he hung on the cross and he went down and brought back the keys to hell and death itself. And then he gave the authority to us. You have all authority is given to you. That's why we are told to call down kingdom heaven on earth. We have the authority to do that. Do you understand how much the devil hates this? He cannot... He cannot afford for you to walk in the authority that you have. He cannot afford for you to understand where you stand as a child of God. And He cannot afford for you to have a revelation of who you are as a son or daughter. This is why I believe it's one of the, one of the most difficult revelations for people to catch. He's this revelation of who they are in Jesus Christ. We step outside of who we are to try and attain something that we already have. We're trying to, we step outside of who we're called to be. We're trying to push in the natural to attain a position because our identity is wrapped up in a position because we don't really understand that Bible says that we're called to be the head and not the tail. So it doesn't matter in what position you give me or what you put before my name or where my seat is or where my parking space is or how you treat me on the head and not the tail. That's And, and we, we step outside of who we are. 
We, we don't have a revelation that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we step out of that and we step into insecurity and we start doing weird things to our face and doing crazy things to our body and going to these weird extremes, spending money that we don't have, taking out loans to buy cars that we cannot afford because our identity is all wrapped up in how we look, what we're driving. But when you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, you don't care what you're driving, whether you're in a beat up car or you're on a push bike, you know who you are in Jesus Christ. And I wanna tell you that is the most attractive thing when someone knows who they are in Jesus Christ. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mind shift. And you know what, you gotta you fight for that revelation. Fight for, and I'm not saying, hear my heart, I'm not saying do things. My mum said to me the other, when she was here that I need to get injections on my forehead. We were sitting at lunch. My mum's here. If you know my mum, it's the craziest thing she's ever... She's sitting there. She's just looking at me. I was probably pouring out my heart and just, you know, just sharing with her some great revelation, how much I love her. And she's just looking at me like that. And she just said, Ben, I think you need to get that Botox stuff on your forehead there. So I might do it. We'll see how we go. Next, if I'm up here next week and I'm like this, come on, you need Jesus. You see those cats? It looks like they've had their head hanging out of their car window and they're on the highway for the last 30 minutes. You come back here like that? That might be me in next week. I'll be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I'll let you know if I'm going to do it. Don't worry. But listen, I'm not saying, what I'm saying, all that stuff's fine. Just make sure your identity is not in that. Do I think driving a nice drive a nice car, drive whatever you whatever you can afford. If you can, if you're blessed enough to drive one, then rock it. Do you think? But make sure that your identity's not in that, because if you lose the car, you start to shake and you start to think, well, who am I now? Where am I? And then you start taking out loans you can't afford because you've got to get the next car and then you've got to get the next injection. You start looking like a pincushion because you don't have a revelation of who you are. Get that as a foundation first to who you are. This is the only thing, the Word of God, the only thing will not change. It won't wear off. It's not expensive. It's for free because the price was already paid for it when Jesus hung on a cross. Just get a revelation of who you are and say, I'm comfortable in this. I'm going to walk in this. This is who I am. The three things the devil hates, who you are, where you are. What was the third one? What you have. Shut up. Some of you didn't remember it either. Some of you are like, yeah, that's good. Actually, I didn't get that last one. <laughs> Should we stand? Let's stand to our feet. <laughs> I need music to make this spiritual. <laughs> Close your eyes. That'll help too. It's always more spiritual when it's dark. Let's hit the lights. No, I'm joking. We're joking, we're messing around, but this is, I believe this is honestly one of the most powerful revelations. I, was, I got with God yesterday and I was praying yesterday saying, God, give me, I, I need a new revelation of who I am. We need to get this in our hearts. If you can, if you can catch this, all hell cannot stop you. I said, all hell. Some of you are worrying about a, 
a little attack. When you understand who you are, it won't matter what the enemy sends at you because you know it's that same hell that Jesus went down to and destroyed. So you gotta walk in the victory that He's already paid the price for. It's identity theft in the Spirit. We're all getting crazy trying to find out where we belong, who we are. Am I in this group? Do I go to this church? Am I part of this? And, and do I do this job? What do most people say when you ask them, well, who are you? Nine times out of 10, a guy will say his occupation. A woman will say their family. You can even find your identity in your family. A family comes from God, absolutely. But your spouse, your children, that's not your identity. Before that has to be in God. Has to. Because otherwise what happens is you have these parents that hanging on to their children. Don't want their children to go freaking out, start getting controlling, start getting weird over their children because their children are their identity. Does that make sense? Our identity has to come from Him. Let's bow our heads right across this place. Lord God, we thank You that You're here. God, I thank You for Your hand. God, show us, reveal, reveal the people. Lord God, I bind every person here, I bind their minds to the mind of Christ. And I speak revelation over them right now. Give people revelation of who they are, of where they are. Lord God, of what they have. And I push back every lie from the enemy that would cause a train of thought or thinking to question their identity. And I break that now in Jesus' Name. And I lift up the Name of Jesus. God, I thank You that we are in Christ. God, I thank You, Father God, that we are seated with You in heavenly places. God, I thank You that we are called Lord God, that we are created. Lord God, that You have a plan and that You have a purpose for our lives. God, I thank You for the gifting. God, I thank You for the anointing that's here even in this room. Lord God, I thank You for the purpose that You have for every single person. God, I thank You that they are not the mistakes they've made. They are not the issues that they have. Lord God, I thank You that you were, they were formed. Lord God, You knew them and You formed them. Lord, when they were in their mother's womb. God, I thank You for the purpose and the destiny that You have over them. And we declare it now in Jesus Christ's Name. Lord God, we declare, Father God, a revelation out over this place right now. Lord God, we declare, Father God, truth. I pull down doubt and unbelief. I pull down every lie from the enemy that's tried to get in their mind and tried to get in their thinking. And we declare freedom right now. We speak freedom out into this atmosphere right now. And I speak revelation. I want you to raise your hands right across this place. And as we sing this, I want you to declare it now in Jesus' Name. I want you to take your rightful place as a son or daughter. Come on as we sing. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.